Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, a podcast for women who want to find a better way to hormonal health. I'm your host, Gemma Barry, an ex-nurse, period activist, comedian and herbalist. You might think that's a strange combination, but I wouldn't be where I am without those skills, let me tell you. Be ready for health tips and banter, no filter talking, belly laughs, and most importantly, finding your map so you aren't lost in menstruation. This is the stuff you wish you'd known years ago, but it's never too late. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another uh, episode of Lost in Menstruation. Today I am joined with the wonderful Elizabeth Black, who is a fellow comedian. She has got some very interesting stories to share with us today, so I'm really looking forward to this. Hi, Liz, how are you doing, my love? I'm good. I'm very good. (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, wanting to join in the Lost in Menstruation project of uh, sharing weird and wonderful stories about vaginas, periods and any other fanny related business, really. (laughs) (laughs) Always happy to talk about my fanny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm finding that for sure. It's great. Uh, so, um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? Okay, so um, just a, probably the little bit of context people need is that I was in a relationship for 10 years. Right. Um, and despite a fair bit of effort, we didn't conceive. Yep. So, um, I'd, I'd, I've already got one child and I'd had quite a lot of trouble during the birth. He was a footling breach. Okay. Ooh. And so I kind of put, ah, well, no more kids, probably that's to do with it. We both didn't seem terribly bothered about no more kids, kind of got on with life. Yeah. And I I guess that explains my slightly cavalier attitude to contraception. (laughs) That's why you need to know that piece of information. uh, My partner had a midlife crisis at the age of 42 and left for a much younger woman. Right. Um, and I went to Papua New Guinea and <laughs> uh, kind of went to do voluntary, voluntary service overseas. Um, and I might come back to that, but that's not kind of the story that I'm here to talk about. So, um, sometime later, having done a bit of traveling and having an absolutely amazing time, uh, met someone else and got on all right. You know, it was okay as a relationship, but it, it didn't, didn't last. Yeah. And we split up. And I, by this time, was um, getting on a bit. Uh, and, so, and also, very interestingly, I, I'd, never, I'd not had any symptoms of the menopause, nothing. No perimenopause, no hot flushes, none of the things that my friends were telling me that they were having. Yeah. should have been the second warning. <laughs> <laughs> But at the age of 47, I was just like, okay, well, you know, I I don't need to worry about this sort of thing. And I will tell you something. If at the age of 47, your periods stop, you just tend to assume that what's going on is the menopause. Yeah. And I was in fact pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Which was just a bit of a shock, not just to me, but to him and to everybody that knew me. Uh, yeah amazing (laughs) (laughs) And how did that um how did that pregnancy and everything go uh um actually incredibly well yeah um 
I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very fit and healthy. Um, when I went for the first checkups, um, the doctors were telling me I, I had a, a better physique, better body than some of the 26-year-old women that were in the hospital. Um, I, I did a lot of yoga. I was quite slender before I became pregnant. And actually, um, there were no real complications with the pregnancy at all. That's great because um, I, before I started um, love, uh, the Well Woman Project, I ran another business that worked uh, around birth and pregnancy. And um, I remember looking after, I was a doula for a client and she turned 40 in sort of just the last couple of months of her pregnancy. And she was suddenly put on like, the geriatric mother list and was like suddenly high risk, even though she would like, it was a totally normal pregnancy. I'm like, that's just not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to fight tooth and nail to, you know, allow her to have the the um, home birth that she wanted and everything and all the rest of it, which she did eventually. But uh, I know that um, like older mums can get pigeonholed into being, well, it's all going to go wrong because you're ancient and you're like, my body. Well, if my body can still do it, then surely it can still, you know, carry a pregnancy and birth and everything normally. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that made me laugh so much was that they actually called me a, a super geriatric. <laughs> and I was like, and I kind of imagined like Batman on a Zimmer train. <laughs> so, super geriatric. And um, yeah. Geriatric. Oh my God, the language is just so, did you go in with a cape? I feel like you'd have to go in, <laughs> been on the spot and just, come out as Wonder Woman every time he went in for an appointment. <laughs> uh, the, the, the weird thing was that I felt more, I actually felt like I did the first time around that, that caught in the headlights. Yeah. I felt like a young girl doing this on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I'd got accidentally pregnant. <laughs> 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 you should know better. Especially when you've worked in actually telling people not to get pregnant. <laughs> We're going to come back to that because it's just old. But uh, yes, exactly. I think, uh, you know, I've worked with um, with women who've had a, a gap in between pregnancies and it does feel very much like the first time, yeah. even, you know, like it doesn't, if that's not dependent on age, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, I'm, I have a older brothers. My mum was 37 when she had me in the 80s so she was considered probably super 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 geriatric yeah. at the time and uh I mean I I mean I'm very I'm very glad that she did have me but I do think to myself what were you thinking like you were out of the woods you had a 16 and a 14 year old you look like you were done <laughs> what were you thinking <laughs> but well, uh yeah like I say I'm glad she did but um yeah it's it is a um like a weird a weird thing that uh, you can feel like you're doing it all again uh, yeah. for the very first time. Um, yeah. But it's it's much more the norm, I think, nowadays for women to wait that little bit longer. Um, yeah, and I think what I discovered um, was that um, there's a lot of mythology that exists around the information women are given about their fertility, particularly as they get older. Yeah. So I started digging into this because um people were saying you must be some kind of record breaker and actually no absolutely not <laughs> no. um and there were the year i did this there were 247 women of a similar age to me across wow. the country 
doing that. Yeah. What I also, when I started looking into, was that um, the way that they um, they measure fertility in older women is is based, of course, on live births. Yeah. And actually, there's an awful lot of other things that affect a woman having a baby that are not related to her own fertility. You know, often if you've been in a marriage as long as you've got to 47 with someone, you might not even be having sex with them anymore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just that, oh no, not again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so women have sex less regularly, maybe as they get older. The fact that a lot of women who find out they're expecting um, at that age are frightened so much by all of the stories about what's going to be wrong with the baby, they choose termination. So what I was seeing was that there's no real understanding of actually how many women are still fertile at age because it's all measured on live births. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. We're led to believe we're out of the woods we're not (laughs) (laughs) we're definitely not i uh it's really interesting concept that as well and it sort of plays into the um like how older women are viewed and sort of just put on the scrap heap and uh i'm i don't have children by choice i that wasn't a path i wanted and um it's it never fails to amaze me when you have made that decision about your uterus. People are like, well, you don't really need it then, do you? <laughs> or your ovaries or anything like that. And you're like, uh, no, I think, I think you're fine. <laughs> I think you're fine. It does do other things other than that. And so that, like, as a woman gets older, uh, you can definitely feel that sort of, well, you passed your sell-by date now. And so, you know, you're going to be heading towards the menopause so that we don't even need to worry about that kind of thing. And like you say, there's like a big void in actually an understanding about uh, fertility and all of that kind of thing. As you know, it's, it's not just, um, it's not just about making babies. It's understanding that like what the hormones are doing and uh, you know, what you're, what your levels of fertility are up to just by yeah. you know how your body's rolling and all of that kind of thing so yeah it's a really interesting topic i find but just gets dismissed i think as you like you say oh you're perimenopausal menopausal or hysterical i don't know i mean that's <laughs> banded around doesn't it <laughs> but also what are you doing having sex at your age yeah <gasps> my god <laughs> my poor son the news that he was um, <laughs> a sibling was one of the most awkward kind of conversations yeah I, it's yeah. A, a, a concept of like la 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 <laughs> I was like please don't tell me you did that yeah I only thought you did it once and that was it <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he's bless him I don't have to come to terms with <laughs> what's the age gap between your kids all right, you're not going to believe this, but 30 years. 30, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, but that pretty much tells people everything they need to know. Yeah. Yeah. About right. how how long a period of time women's fertility can yeah. last. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm still rocking it. I'm still, you know. Freaking lootly. Absolutely freaking lootly. I know. I uh, so I've said this to my listeners so many times, but uh, when I 
um, I had a, a cyst on my ovary that um, needed to be taken away. And my consultant was like, well, we'll just chop it off because I didn't want kids. So you don't, you don't need, you know, you don't need it. And I'm like, I do, <laughs> I do need it. And I, you won't be just chopping anything off apart from the cyst bit that I don't need. So uh, yeah, I'm always a great advocate of people keeping and owning all of their parts. Um, for as long as they can uh, for sure because exactly that you don't know what you're um, giving up and I you know I've heard lots of stories I, I had a, a lady once who um, she'd been with her partner for 10 years and uh, and then they decided to get married um, after 10 years which I think is a brilliant idea because people then were just only bugging them about when are you going to get married and not when are you going to have kids yeah. uh, so I was like that is very clever <laughs> and uh, anyway they they did loads of like big crazy holidays and you know all sorts of stuff and they got so they got married and they were going to go and do this like motorbike trip around Vietnam and they didn't do it in the end and ended up going to the Maldives or Seychelles something like that and anyway she came home and she thought she was really ill because she'd been told she'd never have kids um mm -hmm. and uh she thought she had malaria or something she was throwing up and she eventually went to the doctors found out she was pregnant and then he fell off the chair she was like <laughs> you know i just thought oh, i've got to have something terrible because she'd just written that off but um yeah. that's what i love about the body you can't just write things off and say no that'll never happen because you just never know um so yeah she she went on and had a a lovely little baby boy and was like in total disbelief <laughs> i was like see that's what happens when you go and have one of those relaxing holidays he said, yeah, what next? you wouldn't have been having having that on the back of a motorbike driving around vietnam <laughs> yeah well i i blame christmas and a bottle of amson <laughs> oh that'll do it <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it oh that's brilliant Oh, so uh, what got you started into the comedy world, Liz? Uh, interestingly, it was because some some years, well, I, I'll come to the stories about Papua New Guinea. Yes, you have to. I'll be asking. I had right. a bit of a difficult incident in Papua New Guinea and I, um, I had a lot of trouble afterwards with my self-confidence. Yeah. I, I, I pre, I, I've done things like TED Talks. I've done a lot of public speaking. And I got to a point where I literally couldn't even stand up in, in a meeting. I was so nervous, so stressed. And someone said to me, well, I tell you what, if you could do stand-up comedy, I reckon you could do anything. That might be your way, you know, baptism of fire. Have yeah, yeah. And my amazing friend Alex just literally gave me a gig. So I didn't train, I didn't do anything. He just was like, yeah, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I got all, and I actually got heckled before I even got on stage the first wow. time. Which I thought was pretty good that I, I got, I, I was so good at dealing with that heckle that the people left. Brilliant. Oh, I want to high five you. That is so <laughs> cool. Well done. <laughs> anyway, um, so I did my first gig and I think like nearly everyone, you just hooked at the, yeah. at, you know, the applause, the whole thing, but also the circuit and the people. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was it. And so kind of just started learning everything I could, watching comedy, just going to gigs and sitting there and watching other comedians. Yeah. Like it, this, this is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's a really wonderful world to dip your toe into. Um, and yeah, nothing beats that rush of going up on stage and like having people laugh and the audience mm. and everything. 
Although the first time I did it, I couldn't feel my legs. I felt like I had a total out-of-body experience. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I was shaking. And it's so funny when you see a video of yourself and you, yeah. when you think, you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. So yeah. true. Um, like the sort of the lived experience and, and what you think is going on and what is actually happening are two different identities sometimes on stage, which is, is interesting in itself. Yeah. So uh, I can't not ask this question for very much longer. So tell us about your um, VSO to Papua New Guinea. Um, <laughs> it's just... Yeah. So I am... Um, when I split with my partner, um, he, he wasn't, it wasn't great and I, I just needed a break. So I went off to Papua New Guinea and I did a year's voluntary service overseas yeah which was absolutely amazing and really luckily while I was out there got offered a job so I in total spent three years in Papua New Guinea uh, now I'm a, I'm a literacy specialist that yeah. early kind of career and so they sort of thought right that's your job work on on literacy but what I started doing was looking at how we could bring people together so yeah. we'd put like um shipping containers in com communities donated books that come from australia to create little libraries yeah. little sessions to teach children to read and then i realized okay the adults need to learn to read too yeah and then i was bringing the other agencies to this one point and then it'd be like okay so uh, save the children bring in the food so the yeah. little biscuits they've got everything a kid needs like all the amazing we were doing like assessments we got people to do vaccinations um but i also started doing <laughs> contraception advice <laughs> and, uh, and to be honest partly that was to do with trying to encourage spacing yeah um children um and in particular in some of the, the settlements that we worked in the households were up to 30 individuals wow. and often children were coming quite rapidly but then not surviving yeah maternal health issues so partly the contraception was about trying to space babies um but also aids had become quite a big issue hiv was quite a big issue in the country um, and other sexually transmitted disease but hiv was the big concern yeah so it was a kind of double whammy and i found myself um just trying to do everything and <laughs> as i was saying earlier what once had to get in a plane, it was, it was a Cessna, and um, we arrived at, at the airport to get in this plane, and I've never been in a small aircraft before, and the guy flying it, he, he said to me, um, she's built, she's built, and literally the year this plane was built was the year I was born, and he said, he said, mature, but very useful, and I was like, like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, we had to get in this plane, and I am in this tiny plane flying into the interior of Papua New Guinea, um, which is an amazing country, by the way. It's so beautiful, it's astonishing. And I'm in this plane, and I've got on my lap a crate of chicks, veto <laughs> nets, I've got books, and I've got boxes full of condoms. Um, and, and I have to fly to this place, and then I arrive, and I'm like, right, I'm telling all these people, you know. And, they in Papua New Guinea they use this word, word talk savvy somebody's coming to give you some information and, and, and I've come to give everything <laughs> you are a public service announcement <laughs> yeah. it's like no kai kai kakarul which means don't eat these chickens because you need to grow big breed with the other chickens it's yeah. strong chicken chicken 
there's very limited protein. Um, Papua New Guinea's not got big, big animals. Right. So they've got pigs uh, and sort of marsupials, but actually chickens are a really useful source of protein. Yeah been able to encourage people to have their chickens <laughs> um, but also then you've gone from telling them about the chickens you've set up the library you're talking to nuns about teaching people to read and you stood in the middle of a um, field <laughs> with all these people showing them how to put a condom on a wooden knob <laughs> uh, uh, nothing like a trip like that <laughs> Uh, it was like, and, and one of the things that made me laugh was because we'd started trying to show women how to use the female condoms. Yeah. Girls I'd work with had shouted suddenly for no apparent reason, my vagina's not big enough. <laughs> and it was because we couldn't get our fingers into this little wooden vagina to show people how, how this works. Yeah. So we had to, we'd had to get someone to carve us a bigger vagina. <laughs> I've got that. Which you still have on your bookshelf. I'm so jelly. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> this is my wooden vagina. <laughs> yeah, it would be pride of place on all my Zoom calls. <laughs> like it can't, it can't be used for nefarious purposes in case you get splinters. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. That needs to come with a warning, yeah. I'm sure. Oh dear. Uh, and so how... Um, how did you get on with doing your stand-up? You did it whilst you were pregnant and stuff as well. Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, that would have been so funny. <laughs> I think what was funny was that um, I, I actually did stand-up about being pregnant while I was pregnant. Love it. Actually, there is a lot of comedy with, with being yeah. a woman. And, and one of the things that happened to me was I was just being scanned all the time. And one of the jokes I used to make was, I've been scanned so much. I'm like one of those reduced items at a Tesco self. <laughs> <laughs> and then I used to joke about it being an unexpected item in my bagging area. <laughs> because it was. Um, and I think, what I think when people see a pregnant woman on stage, they take a bit of a, a breath. It's a bit of a shock to them. Um, almost like you know, and, and particularly because I'm a bit of a, I'm a goth, and um, trying to find goth maternity clothes. <laughs> I've, I've stolen someone's blackout curtains and put myself in them. Uh, I can imagine. I can imagine that would be particularly tricky. <laughs> so it wasn't easy, but um, I remember, like, also I dealt with because I felt that I was getting an awful lot of like. I got a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment. Like, what have you done this for you at your age? Wow. I found that really difficult. So I responded by, by, with jokes. Yeah. So I remember being asked by one doctor, are you thinking of a natural birth? <laughs> I, said, well, I don't want an unnatural birth. <laughs> My other options might be... <laughs> Supernatural birth? <laughs> And I was like, being a gas, you know, I'll scratch out a pentagram, but am I a bit busy for summoning demons? <laughs> I will try my hardest for it to be a full moon. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in there. No, and, and that was the thing. And I remember, um, <clears throat> I remember one woman, it was actually interesting. There was a woman in the audience, very negative reaction. And she came up to me afterwards and said, I don't think you should be joking about you seducing young boys and getting pregnant because one of the jokes I've made is about the age gap. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm probably a bit older than you think I am. <laughs> the guy in question was a hefty scouser. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was not a young man. He was a bit younger than me. <laughs> so that was quite funny. But I remember saying, you know, like one of the jokes I used to do is, um, do you want a drug-free birth? And I'd be like, that's not going to happen. Dad's a scouser. So I think that was it. Um, it. It was just the only real issue with being pregnant was needing a wee on the long drive. Yeah, that would do it. That is true. That is it. That was the thing that drove me mad. We had to drive up to York Comedy Festival once and it was just like, yeah, all I'd do, I'd drive to a gig and the first thing I'd be doing is like, Sorry, lad! Get out of my way! Oh, I think I'd be like, depending on how like far along you were, but I would definitely want to be acting in some deep breaths. If you were quite far gone, to be like, oh, like real make the tension you could create in that. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. Like people get really nervous. I used to, uh, like I used to. I I remember once I was doing a um, car boot actually, and this lady walked past. She was like really well the point of having the baby as it turned out and uh, I, I was a bit like nothing to see like I'm like you should you be here I said you know and she's like yeah yeah I'm fine and in a half an hour her husband was like trying to drive the car through a car park full of um yeah open boots selling to with his wife with her feet up on the dashboard like <laughs> yeah had the baby in the car park <laughs> whoa that's spectacular yeah, it was amazing i was like i bloody knew it i knew it <laughs> like spidey senses <laughs> but great i mean she was totally in labor just you know yeah. around looking at people's rubbish in their uh in yeah. the back of their cars perfect <laughs> that, that's it and actually when I went into labour I was pretty much the the same I was kind of like I walked to the hospital wow and, you know it's just like ah I've got I've got loads of time <laughs> just yeah you can be as calm like that it's great it just I was incredibly helps. calm the one funny thing was because I had my daughter in Finland and in um and I uh I have some really lovely gay friends and they've been incredibly supportive to me and they said, we'll be there at the birth. And so I walked to the hospital, sent them texts saying, she's on her way. And I went to the hospital and she was a bit early. <laughs> she should have been. Anyway, they all turned up at the hospital wearing rainbow t-shirts. <laughs> oh, that's so it's, cute. They've got stuffed unicorns and playing the kazoo. And it's <laughs> all getting a bit out of hand. And the nurse goes, which one of you is the father? In Finnish, of course. Yeah. Which one is the father? And, and one said, I don't know, we haven't decided yet. <laughs> and in the end, it was just like, you can all go through them all out. That's so I'm just imagining something out of friends, actually. His uh, <laughs> wife's in, uh, in labour. <laughs> so, yeah, she's oh, and I, I actually um, I gave birth on my own. Oh, wow. Which was lovely. Yeah, um, but with medical professionals. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just. It was lovely. It was just me and my girl. Yeah, there's I, something really I, special about that. I think. And I, I think what's been funny is recently I've talked to a lot of women who are really worried with COVID about giving birth alone if that happened. And I, 
I've spoken to so many women saying, actually, my experience is it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's just you, the medical staff helping you, but actually the focus on the baby is wonderful. And if you haven't got a significant other, then actually no one's missing out. And yeah. it, was, it was a really lovely moment. Oh, I think you need to like have your gay friends be like doulas, like a troop of doulas, like, <laughs> a gay doula troop or something. That would be amazing to drop up in their rainbows and, and unicorns. I would love that. I think I might have a baby just for that. <laughs> just they played God Save the Queen on the kazoo. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. No, <laughs> oh, so in your um in your sets list, do you ever? I'm assuming you do talk about like women's health periods. Obviously, pregnancy was up there and stuff. But do you ever touch on any of the other stuff? Um, yeah, I so. The set that I now do, or yep. did before lockdown, um, is entitled Cake and Vaginas. Nice. <laughs> and so this was inspired, I was on a train journey, and there was a guy on the train, and you know you get talking to people, yep. and, um, and he said to me, he said, so, because I was on the way to a gig when this conversation happened, he said, so you're a stand-up comedian? And I was like, yeah, he said, a female one, <laughs> given, given that he wasn't at me at the time. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he said, do you, was it, do you tell proper jokes or just stand there and talk about cake and vaginas? No. Oh, man. You think we've come so far. <laughs> I know. And we haven't. Oh. Actually, what I said back to him was, well, I, I am a patissier. Because I... <laughs> but it inspired me to the set so I pulled together lots of my different jokes that yeah. do with um vaginas and added in some cake nice <laughs> and also finish on a song that's about cake and vaginas nice oh um, I love it yes my, my material is is a lot about I talk about I, I I did a gig in Skipton once and I have a joke that involves you need to understand Karl Marx and you yeah. also need to understand what a minge is. <laughs> well, I'm in this pub and it was a really, it was one of those where the audience really are interacting with you a bit much. Yeah. So I told the joke and this guy went, no, I don't get that. And I was like, okay, what bit don't you get? You, do you know what a minge is? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know what a minge is. What's the marks bit? I was like, okay, if you don't know who Karl Marx is, I can't help you. And then this old blogs piped up with, I haven't a clue what minge is. <laughs> That's a comedy sketch right there, isn't it? <laughs> I've got to explain my joke. And the thing is, by that point, because that is only the setup for the joke. Yeah. That's not the punchline I'm having to explain. So now I'm like, well, Karl Marx, famous leader, all that. Minge is the name for the lady part. Okay, are we all ready for the next? bit of this joke which is about the fact that I used to live in a place in Papua New Guinea called Minge which is true love it <laughs> sounds like my like, spiritual home <laughs> it was brilliant I kept a scrapbook of headlines about Minge and it's like my favorite one was Minge police say enough is enough <laughs> every week I've been cutting out the headlines 
Oh, that just brings me so much joy. So much joy. That's brilliant. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so it's been so wonderful chatting to you, Liz. But my last question to everybody is, do you have any funny stories about your period that you can share? Um, yeah, and I love the fact that you did tell me that it was okay to do too much information about this. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is a while ago and it, it was... It, it was in my period of being single after the breakup yeah. and in this really lovely Finnish guy and uh, he was getting a bit amorous <laughs> and I was like hang on hang on it's the wrong time of the month <laughs> this does not translate into Finnish really how interesting <laughs> they have no concept of and he actually genuinely thought it was some kind of goth thing <laughs> <laughs> I would only shag on a full moon. <laughs> so, so, and then having to perform this really weird pantomime <laughs> to indicate <laughs> what I meant, <laughs> what was going on with my body. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> and then he, it was funny because he, he pulled this really funny face, got up, he went into the bathroom and he came back with this big red towel and he went, is this your colour? <laughs> like now I understand the Finnish euphemism. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Is this your colour? <laughs> I use that going forward. <laughs> oh, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure. I've had so many giggles. Thank you so much. Um, oh no, it's been um, great fun. Yeah, it really has. And I really look forward to seeing you on the circuit sometime, Liz, when we get yeah. to normality here. But thank <laughs> you so much for your time. And um, I'll be popping all the links for where you can find out where Liz is and what she's been doing and all the stuff in the show notes. All right, my love, take care. It's been Ace chatting. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> no worries. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved it, feel free to leave a comment and give us a follow. You can find more information on my website, thewellwomanproject.com, or come find me on the grid on Insta or on my Facebook page. You can also drop me an email, gemma at thewellwomanproject.com. Any information we've shared today will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Big love, Gem. <laughs>